Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to Shut Up and Wrestle, an old-school wrestling podcast about good conversations and great stories. I am your host, Brian R. Solomon, and this is episode 67, in which I will be talking to Bobby the Brain Heenan biographer and friend, Steve Anderson. We'll be getting to that conversation in just a moment. A few things I'd like to get out of the way first. First of all, I wanted to uh, once again step out of the wrestling sphere for just a moment because I'm very excited. Now, as of May 1st, my newest book is available for sale. It's called Superheroes, the History of a Pop Culture Phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. And it's exactly that. It is a history of superheroes and comic books, but more importantly, superheroes and superhero fiction in all of its forms, movies, serials, radio, whatever, what have you. It's all in there. And I encourage you to check it out if you do have an interest in that topic. It is now available for sale. You can get it on Amazon. You can find it hopefully in bookstores. I know that Barnes and Nobles in some areas, Barnes and Noble is stocking them. If they're not, you can always ask them to carry it. I do not currently have, for people that have asked, I don't currently have a stock of personal copies to sign for people that are interested in purchasing signed copies. I'm planning to get some in. So if you have an interest in that, if you'd potentially be interested in purchasing a signed copy of Superheroes, uh, just let me know. Let me know on Twitter at Brian R. Solomon. You can send me a message there or Instagram. Or you can email me at brianrsolomon at yahoo.com if you have an interest in a signed copy, and I could let you know when they become available. Again, the book is called Superheroes, the History of a Pop Culture Phenomenon from Ant-Man to Zorro. Now I'd like to talk about the other book, the one before that, Blood and Fire, the Unbelievable Real-Life Story of Wrestling's Original Chic I recently was in Michigan, as I've talked about, accepting an award from the Library of Michigan for the book. I'm now going to be on kind of a mini library tour in Michigan, which I've talked about, but it's coming up. It's getting very close. It's in the third week of May. So if you are in the area, I encourage you to come on down. I will be at the Charlotte Community Library on Monday, May 22nd. I'll be at the Community District Library in Corona, Michigan on Tuesday, May 23rd, and I will be at the St. Clair Community Library in Port Huron, Michigan on Wednesday, May 24th. I will be giving talks about Blood and Fire. I'll be reading a sample from the book, taking questions, the whole thing. So I encourage you to come down if you're in the area and say hello. And the last thing I wanted to mention is really looking forward to a piece that I wrote that I'm excited about and I want you to be on the lookout for. 
It is going to be in issue number 33 of Inside the Ropes, which is not yet available, the UK wrestling magazine Inside the Ropes. It is a story commemorating the 60th anniversary, which we are just now reaching on May 17th, the 60th anniversary of Bruno Sammartino's historic win over Buddy Rogers in Madison Square Garden for the WWWF World Heavyweight Championship back in 1963. I just finished it the other day. I'm very proud of it. I think that fans of old school wrestling are going to love it. So be on the lookout. I'll let you know when the issue becomes available. Again, it is going to be issue number 33 of Inside the Ropes magazine. Now, let's get to this great conversation that I had with Steve Anderson. As you're going to hear in my introduction, this was originally meant to be strictly an interview for the Gorilla Monsoon book, Irresistible Force, talking about Gorilla's relationship with Bobby. It turned into a lot more than that. I planned ahead. I knew this would be a great and fascinating conversation. So I'm also using it as an episode of the podcast. And I thank Steve for being flexible in that regard. I think you're going to really love this, and I'm going to take you to it right now. Okay, so this week on Shut Up and Wrestle, I am sharing a conversation that uh, originally the idea is that this is for the purpose of the Gorilla Monsoon book that I'm working on, Irresistible Force. And one of the things that's going to be a big component of that book is the relationship and the professional kind of camaraderie between Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. So for that reason, for this week on the show, I have with me a writer and a podcaster, somebody whose work I've known for a long time, actually going back to when I was at WWE. He worked with Bobby the Brain on two books, including Bobby the Brain, Wrestling's Bad Boy Tells All, which was Bobby's autobiography. And he also does the Weasel Tales podcast, which deals with his experiences kind of working with Bobby, touring with Bobby, being around Bobby the Brain Heenan. So the man is Steve Anderson, and he is my guest this week on Shut Up and Wrestle. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. And I also, as I said before, I appreciate you kind of rolling with it because this was originally going to just be a regular kind of interview for the book. And I thought after what I what happened with Ken Patera, when it turned into a podcast episode, I thought I'm going to plan ahead this time. And I think this would actually make a great podcast episode. So I appreciate it. And you kind of going with it. Thank you. Yeah. Again, glad to be here. So as I was saying, you know, when we started this, um, you know, for me, like writing this book is um, appealing on different levels. So I like the idea of, you know, Gorilla Monsoon is an interesting guy because he existed in the modern world of wrestling. So modern wrestling fans know who he is and grew up with him in a lot of cases as an announcer. So if you're writing his story, you don't have to worry about name recognition. It also gives you a chance to go way back into the territory days and write about somebody that was a main event star in the 60s and Bruno San Martino and Madison Square Garden. So it checks a lot of boxes for me. But when it comes to the, you know, the incarnation of, of Gorilla that most people today know and remember and cherish, it's his time as an announcer, which for a lot of people... Um, especially as time has gone by and nostalgia really, you know, kind of like warms our hearts and everything. For a lot of people, it's that Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan partnership 
which by the way at the time and you you know you're probably aware of this too at the time they had a lot of detractors you know as as an announced team but now i mean for most people they're kind of unque- i don't want to say unquestionably because it's all subjective but they are up there for a lot of fans among the greatest if not the greatest announced duo in wrestling history i i would absolutely agree with that and and i would add that they were a supreme comedy team. I look back on it as Abbott and Costello, the way they played off each other and the way they, there was never kind of uh, a compromise between the two. It was always a battle. You know, it was always gorilla saying, give me a break and, and Bobby doing something. I was watching, in fact, a two year anniversary of Bobby Heenan on primetime on YouTube and Bobby was sipping champagne and he kept getting <laughs> drunker and drunker and drunker and stuff. And he's trying to get the cake and gorilla says, no, you can't have any cake yet. And inevitably the cake got all over him, but it really was. And and you pointed out something very interesting that, yeah, at the time they were a bit reviled. Um, they were more uh, humor comedy, that kind of thing. But I, and Gorilla, of course, had all his, his catchphrases. You know, he'd, he'd check all those boxes in his commentary, but I found that to be just absolutely enduring. And, and I think the foundation of that partnership was the fact that they had true love for each other. They were so very close, spent so much time together with their families. And I think you kind of need that as a foundation to portray uh yourselves as basically enemies yeah and that was the thing i i've brought up the abbott and costello comparison too especially for you know i'm a fan of old school comedy and old movies and things and it really appeals to me the whole borscht belt thing which is what bobby had going for him i mean you know i i I get it. it it may not be for everybody and i know at the time there were there were a lot a lot of the smart fans, let's say, and I, and I yeah. love Dave Meltzer. I read the Observer regularly, but yeah. a lot of the Observer type fans of that era, they didn't like Gorilla, especially because of you know the cliches and and the whole. Uh, he would be very critical sometimes of wrestlers on commentary and think which yeah. you'd never hear yeah. today. And Gorilla and Bobby together, they would create. They didn't take it super seriously, and that didn't always sit well with everybody i'm not saying that they didn't that they made fun of their of wrestling or anything like that but they they were willing to have fun with it and make it fun even you know being in character they were still making it fun like bobby would run down the baby faces in a way that i don't think any heel announcer could get away with doing today oh oh certainly but i think you know maybe it's it's that it it's just aged well and i think people can now look at it and put it in the context that it is. Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of critics uh, when that was going on, and I believe primetime started with Gorilla and and Jesse, and uh, they didn't really have that chemistry. But when they brought Bobby in, it was just magical and things like that. And I think today, if we look at it, it is of its time certainly. But I think a lot of people, you know, the, the the critics have come around. With age comes wisdom. They've come around to accept that this was just their style, and it was 
so very effective, I think. Not, you know, I love both of the teams. I love Gorilla with Jesse. I do. Yes. As a kid, I always felt like, oh, this is the special team. This is the team they bring out when it's a major pay-per-view or oh, something. Exactly. This yeah. is important. And I feel like, I think that was intentional. I think the difference between Gorilla and Jesse and Gorilla and Bobby, I always felt was with Gorilla and Jesse, Jesse would never go so over the top heel the way Bobby would. Like Jesse would give credit to the faces. He would he would be heelish, but he would still try and call it relatively straight. And Gorilla and Jesse, there seemed to be the way they played off each other. I'm not saying Gorilla and Bobby didn't respect each other. Of course they yeah. did. But the chemistry of Gorilla and Jesse was more like they were two peers. Like Jesse would push back on Gorilla, and sometimes he'd he'd really get him. You know, yeah. whereas Bobby could never do that. Bobby was oh, the, butt no. of, the butt of every joke. And yeah. even though they loved and respected each other in yeah. character on the mic, it was more like Bobby was the Bud Abbott. And and and, and I mean, Bobby was the Lou Costello and, and Gorilla was the Bud Abbott. Bob, and Gor- Gorilla would always get it, get over on Bobby. You know, it yes. was a very yeah. different relationship. Yeah. And just to clarify, what I meant was it's kind of the early days of primetime wrestling. Right. Their their commentary on pay-per-views and on I think it was uh wrestling challenge or wrestling superstars, that was abs- they were absolutely a, uh, another supreme pairing uh of the two each other of the two of both of them. <laughs> Sorry, I got my No, it's my, fine. Uh, um but no, it was it was it was a great pairing for that. But I think that in studio atmosphere especially when they brought in roddy piper was just fantastic now what do you know about or do you know anything about how and why they were teamed up because i don't believe that bobby had even done commentary before he came to the wwf had he i mean how did how did that even happen no and and i'm i'm a minnesota guy so i grew up on a steady diet of of bobby heenan (laughs) Um, I saw, in fact, the first time I saw him was when uh, Sergeant Slaughter was doing the Super Destroyer Mark II uh, gimmick, and he had to unmask. And a week later, uh, he fired Lord Alfred Hayes, and then they brought in Bobby Heenan. So that was the first time. No, well, not the first time I saw Bobby Heenan. My grandmother actually got me into professional wrestling around 1973 and my first vivid memory was uh ray stevens uh jumping off the top rope and breaking the leg of dr x and that's when they banned moves off the top rope and uh i remember she said something to the effect of uh i don't ever want to hear about you hanging around with a son of a bitch like bobby heenan <laughs> something like that you let your grandmother her. down steve yeah i did down. i let her down <laughs> but that that was my my introduction to it and uh you know again it was a steady thing and then you know he at, at the met center in minneapolis in 1980 i think it was 85 maybe late 84 there's Bobby Heen in the WWF. It's like, well, okay, yeah. this is this is yeah. something. Yeah. And I guess they thought he'd be not only I mean, somebody had to make the decision, I guess, that he would be good on commentary and that he would work well with Gorilla because like I'm doing this thing now where I'm listening to a lot of gorillas announcing and getting a feel for because unfortunately yeah. there's yeah. way more of of that than his wrestling career to watch. And I Perfect. noticed when he first started doing it, 
Gorilla. He also played it much more straight in the first couple of years, much more kind of sports-like. He wasn't really relying on cliches. He wasn't doing the tongue-in-cheek thing as much. And it seems like he starts to lean into that when he starts to work with Bobby Heenan, which is, I guess, like late 85 they started. Yeah, Yeah, certainly. And, and yeah, he didn't have a lot of experience with commentating. And I think he was just kind of finding his way. And and he was maybe taking on certain attributes of commentators that he'd watched, you know, maybe a, a line that he heard, that kind of thing. But it seems that the minute he was with Bobby was when it just everything just kind of gelled and and the the, the personalities were so set in stone that uh, they could basically wing it. I mean, I don't think they ever had a script. I don't think they ever had notes. Maybe Vince was in their ear. Who knows? I don't know if Vince was doing it back then. But um, yeah, I don't know if it was that much of a factor back yeah. then because I don't know if he did it as much with the guys that were sort of like senior to him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. Gorilla. I don't think he Definitely. was bossing Gorilla around. Oh, oh, not Gorilla. No. no. <laughs> I mean, Michael all. Cole, yes, but Gorilla Monsoon. No. Yeah. You're not going to yell at Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> imagine that was happening. But yeah, um, yeah so I mean, I, I know they, they started together on wrestling challenge i guess right i'm trying to or it might have even been the last months of all-star wrestling before it turned over to wrestling challenge i i I think that's that's what it was and then they were doing uh they were also doing prime time they're doing wrestling challenge and at the same time doing prime time and uh they weren't if i'm remembering right they weren't always in the arena Right. There was kind of the green screen thing going on. Right. Um, but yeah, again, I, I just, I, I don't think there was really anybody directing them saying, you should say this, you should say that, you know, they just, they just took it and ran. And it was, again, I, I, I keep coming back to the word magic because that's really what it was. And, and they're in all due respect to the current commentators that you're, you're never going to get that again. It's just no, not, they're not allowed not in that era. They're just yeah, they're really not. I mean, you, you really have to play it, uh, seriously. Um, and the, you know, the catchphrases are minimal. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's a different era altogether. It, it's very much changed. And I think, especially when, you know, and you remember this in, in, uh, what was it? Uh, 2000 ECW went down and then uh yeah. four months later Vince bought WCW and I at that time I was working for Wild Magazine oh, and man. you saw the writing on the wall I mean you saw okay w- what's this going to look like going forward and um so yeah the, a lot of things have changed but I and I think that's what makes people go back to those youtube videos and and peacock and things like that just to see it i could listen to gorilla monsoon and bobby heenan do commentary constantly <laughs> if, if i can do it now it's, it's I, like and that. and what i've heard even from people like you talk about the uh-huh. magic i've talked to people who were in wwf production and things like that yeah and they've confirmed how that stuff was so much of it was just spontaneous in the moment they yeah. didn't really have scripts. They didn't do multiple takes. They would just do yeah. it. And they were even saying that they would watch the matches live in the studio. So yeah. it wasn't like 
edited together. They would do their shtick, they would yeah. throw it to the match, and then they would actually sit there and watch the match yeah. and then get back to what they were doing, like all in real time. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just it, yeah, like I said, it's a, it, it was a it was a, a different time altogether. But um I you know we're we're talking about gorilla and you know I, I do have a copy of the book if it's okay with you that okay, uh, I I I uh what what I wanted to talk about first though was the Hall of Fame ceremony yes, in uh, yes. 2004. Um, that was perhaps the most thrilling weekend I've ever had, the most hectic weekend I've ever had. Um, I, I talked about it on the podcast. I took every major form of transportation uh, from a taxi cab to uh, a town car. And it was actually a limousine because they were out of town cars. And they said, would it be okay if we sent a limo? It won't cost anymore. I'm like, oh. All right. Um, but uh, the, at, at the Hall of Fame, you know, Bobby is up there and, and it's and I always say it's when Bobby became Bobby again. Uh, after all the, the cancer treatments and the scares and, and the fears and and Bobby was always more worried about me when he called me to say he had cancer. He said, I just want to make sure that you're going to be okay and you're going to be taken care of. And, and that's just how he was just extremely magnanimous. Uh, the complete opposite of, of, <laughs> of the character that, that he certainly um, portrayed. And he, he got like four or five standing ovations. Yes. And uh, the last line was, I wish Monsoon was here and he choked up. I don't think he ever really recovered from really got over the death of, of Gorilla Monsoon. Um, but he did have a, uh, if you'll indulge me for a minute, he did have a uh, section in the book where he talked about um, his last day in the WWF. And so he, he write, or I wrote, he said, uh, so Gorilla came to ringside where I was doing commentary. He threw me and my bag out of the building. I gave my farewell and walked around the back. Gorilla was waiting for me in his car, and we drove to the, the LaGuardia Holiday Inn. We quietly stood in the elevator, which took us to the floor where our rooms were. I turned to him and said, well, nine years together. Good luck, partner. I shook his hand. He went his way. I went mine. I got into my room. There was a big basket of fruit in there, all bananas. <laughs> I called Gorilla. I have some bananas here. Do you want them? He came down the hall, and I gave him his favorite fruit. We must have hugged and cried for an hour. So that that was the that was their last night together, and uh, you know he, he another thing he talks about Gorilla with he loved to gamble playing blackjack and cards. He always carried about twenty five thousand dollars in cash on him. I would ask, what would you do with all that money? He'd say, what if I want to buy something? What a house, a house. <laughs> If you're driving through Green Bay, maybe you should buy the football team and a bratwurst. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, I can just imagine that last night. And I remember him, you know, talking about it. And that's what I like about having all the <sighs> rediscovering all the tapes. I mean, there's probably about, I would say, 15 to 16 hours of just me and Bobby talking. And that experience was just so out of body at first. It, it was just, I'm sitting in a hotel room with Bobby Heenan. And, and it was uh, right after 9-11. The world is falling apart. And he, 
here's my my dream come true you know and uh but yeah that that is something that you know that that relationship it was it was family it was brothers uh, you know it's 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 really hard to define because of the the aspect of it where on screen they were just button heads right but in real life they just loved each other yeah and you know from what i know of both of their careers i have to assume that they had very rarely have ever crossed paths before Bobby got to the WWF. I mean, maybe the NWA convention or something. I, I have to imagine they didn't know each other all that well before that. So I'm wondering if he ever talked about why he thought they hit it off so well and got along so well, because, you know, they were both working with lots of other people. Why did they form that bond as far as you know? I, I don't think, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't planned. They were just put together. And I think maybe initially part of it was just being professionals. They were both stand-up guys. They were very professional. They took what they did seriously. So I don't even know if that really initially, you know, they were just paired together and told what to do. And that's what people in the professional wrestling business do, you know, the promoter says, okay, you guys are going to do this and this and this and this and this. And then eventually I think something clicked because the, you know, it's always interesting to watch like the first prime time wrestling with those two. It's a lot different obviously than, than the last one. So I think it was just organic if anything. And, and that's, that's how it happened. Um, they just, they had a job to do. And they did it. It's like two guys in the ring and, and maybe they're unsure of each other. Maybe they don't like each other, but in the end, they, they, they work together continuously and they become, you know, the best of friends. And, and that's, that's the interesting aspect about professional wrestling is that you can be in a ring and you can look like you're kicking the crap out of somebody, but in the end, you just love the person. And, and uh, yeah. So. Well, my understanding is that they, socialized away from the ring that their families spent time together that they were that close i know i remember hearing i heard bobby in a shoot interview he talked about that last night with the bananas and everything and he mentioned that when gorilla died it was his daughter gorilla's daughter valerie that called him and told him of the news because the families were so close the wives the kids everything yeah Yeah, exactly in fact i i Bobby after, after Kurt Hennig died and I had the opportunity of spending some time with Kurt in a a Robbinsdale bar where he was playing pull tabs and he would throw away the cheap ones, like the $5 ones. He didn't even want it. He'd throw it on the floor. So I'm like scrambling on the floor (laughs) to grab the pull tab. Bobby actually, uh, I, I was the first person he called when Kurt died. And I think that was just another, just devastating because Kurt was young. He was in his forties, but Kurt just wanted to work. He wanted to be a professional wrestler. He wanted to live that lifestyle and stuff. And inevitably, you know, it it played a role in, in, in ending his life. But I remember talking to Bobby and I could just hear the heaviness in his voice and the devastation. And, and it was just, you know, one, another loss that was very, very tragic considering Kurt's age. In fact, I, I recently talked to his uh, widow and told her about the night at that bar and stuff like that. We talked about it, but yeah, he, he would always, 
you know, with, with, with Bobby and, and I, and again, the relationship, I don't, I'm not comparing my relationship with Bobby to Gorilla Monsoon at all. I would never do that, but you know, he, he would always take that time to let me know things. And like when he was diagnosed with cancer, he called me and again, he was more worried about me. So that's, that's just the kind of person he, he was. You know, I had the privilege one time of getting to meet and talk to Bobby the Brain Heenan because, of course, you know, I worked for WWE and yeah. this was WrestleMania 17 in Houston where they brought him back oh, yes. for one night for the gimmick Battle Royal. And um, I approached him in catering and, I, you know, we had this column. It was a Legends column in Raw magazine, and I basically mm -hmm. used it as an excuse to talk to as many of the of the old timers as I could, you know, because that was just – it was my agenda, you know, my excuse for it. And Bob, oh, yeah. this, was, this was just before he got sick, maybe a year before. He was still in full prime form, Bobby the Brain Heenan, looking, yeah. talking like Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. And we sat down in catering, and I could not believe how genuinely – funny he was because i it was like it was like he was doing his bobby the brain heenan thing just for me you know <laughs> like there were no cameras there was yeah. no nothing he was just cracking me up and we got to i i mentioned gorilla and yeah. I, felt, I felt very bad this was like um april 2001 so maybe like a year and a half after gorilla yeah. died and I, I mentioned it and, you know, just to get him to talk a little bit and he started crying and I yeah. felt, I felt terrible, terrible because, yeah. you know, it was not my intention to, to break this poor guy down, but he was totally fine about it. Oh, but I mean, he yeah. was just getting all choked up and extremely emotional. Um, yeah. Obviously that there was the genuine affection there, you know? Yeah, there, there really was. And you mentioned, you know, his return at WrestleMania. Um, that was WrestleMania 17. 17. So that yeah. would have been what year? It would have 2001. been 2001. 2001. Yeah. So it was probably um, a few months after that where I, when I reached out to him, uh, I had read an article somewhere that he wanted to write a book. So, of course, as any wrestling journalist is going to do, you go to Bill Apter because Bill Apter knows everybody. And I worked with Bill for uh, uh, on uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and Wow Magazine and the whole thing. And Bill got me in touch with him. But the and it, it in listening to the tapes, which is both um, wonderful and still kind of makes me a little bit sad that this voice has been you know his voice was extinguished by the cancer and then he then he had passed away. But he makes a comment. Right when we start, by the way, he was talking about his speech and how it was slightly impaired and he thought it was TMJ and he was saying all these things and I'm listening to it and I'm like, my God, if I had the, if, if I go back in time, I'd go, go to the doctor, go to the doctor right now because you have, you have throat cancer. Yeah. Um, I know he was a big smoker, obviously, and gorilla was. Yeah, he was. And, um, you know, my, my, and so he had this, you know, uh, significant surgeries and stuff. And in fact, my dad, um, who had passed, who has passed, well, who passed away a couple of years ago, uh, was a smoker as well. And he was diagnosed with cancer 
and he got to hang around with Bobby and it was like old friends because they were from the same generation and they talked and they talked and, and that was just uh, a great experience because they had both been through the same struggles together, you know, as far as cancer and, and overcoming it and, and, you know, but um, yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's still to me just a shame that you know he could have that that dennis miller appearance should have been the launching pad instead it was unfortunately kind of the end of the the public uh bobby heenan you could see in the interview for people that haven't seen it you should look it up it's great to watch bobby heenan on the dennis miller show is you could see somebody like a dennis miller who's a pro he's a comedian he's in show business he gets it he's a very sharp comedian I may not agree with his current present day politics, but he's a very sharp comedian and yes. very, very talented. And he, you could tell that he recognizes the talent and is surprised by that. Oh, he was in Heenan because look, people dismiss wrestlers and wrestling personalities, and yep. and and he's genuinely pleasantly surprised at how quick and how funny. And how natural and perfect Bobby Heenan is at, at comedy, you know? Exactly. And, and and I don't know if you've experienced this, but when people, when, when I would go to parties or whatever, um, someone would mention something about the books and people would ask, oh, you've written books. Yeah. So what about? And you would tell them the subject matter and they just kind of, you know, put their nose in the air. Uh, oh, well. Yes, indeed. And it's like, <laughs> and how many books have you published? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But um yeah, it, it was really, yeah, I think Dennis Miller was absolutely blown away by it. And uh, the way Bobby was just, just he was just on. He was on, and it was fantastic. I could also tell from that night, too, because I was around a lot of the people, you know, when they had the gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania yeah. 17, they brought back a lot of people that day that had been gone from the company for years. So I'm sitting there, I'm on the loading dock, and I'm watching people arrive. I mean, I'm seeing it with my own eyes, yeah, and I'm yeah. seeing p- people like Nikolai Volkov, the Iron Sheik, um, the Bushwhackers, Kamala, people yeah. that uh, the production people, especially people yeah. who've been there a long time, are just melting and just at seeing their old friends and things you would never imagine, but p- office people embracing, talking. Yeah. And, uh, and Bobby was one of those people you could tell – First of all, you could tell that he never wanted to leave, and you could tell that he was absolutely thrilled to be back, and he felt so excited and just happy to be there. And I remember in the catering when I'm talking to him, we kept getting interrupted because people would come in and see him, couldn't believe it. And one of them was the Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik comes in, and he's in the back of the catering room, and he's st- – but him and Bobby must have had some kind of an in-joke together. Maybe Bobby yeah. – I think Bobby called him gimmick or something like that, you know, <laughs> as a nickname. And Because the Iron Sheik is yelling across the catering hall, hey, gimmick, gimmick. And I, I'm trying to do this, <laughs> this interview with Heenan, and he finally yeah. has to get up and acknowledge him and hug him and talk to him. But I noticed that, um, you know, look, WCW had just gone under. Yeah, a lot of people were getting picked up again. They even brought back Mean Gene and gave him some work to yeah. do. And I think, and you would probably know better than I, but it seemed that Bobby was kind of crestfallen that he wasn't on that list and didn't get brought back. Yeah, well, I know that, uh, um, and I'll plug my podcast again because I, I did talk about it. <laughs> um, uh, 
and I'll plug yours too. Great <laughs> Thank you. Um, Gene actually played as far as the first book. If it weren't for Mean Gene's uh, idea, uh, I don't know how well the book would have done. Um, so I had to uh, call people to get little quotes about Bobby because, you know, the book hadn't been reviewed yet or anything like that. So, and I, they, I got, Bobby gave me a list of people that he said, okay, call him, call him, call him. So I called Gene and of course, you know, a Minnesota guy, AWA, Gene Okerlund. Um, and I just bought four uh, action figures so I could get a build of Gene Okerlund for crying out loud. That's how much of a fan I am of this, but Gene, um, so I'm talking to Gene and he gives me just great material and stuff. We start talking about Minnesota and stuff like that. And then Gene was talking about his confidential show that he mm -hmm. did. It was a Saturday night show. And he said, you know what? He said, we should do a segment on Bobby and talk about, you know, maybe plug the book. And I'm like, oh, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that's never going to fly. This is, this book is competition, you know? And so Gene said, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to give Bobby a call and see what happens. And I, okay. Okay. And I just, you know, thank you, Gene, for being so magnanimous, but I just don't think this is going to happen. So Bobby calls me two days later and he said, you'll never guess who just left here. I said, who? He said, a WWE film crew. I said, really? He said, yeah, they interviewed me and they let me, and they let me show them. You know, they had me hold up the book and I'm like, okay, you held up the book, but they're not going to show it, you know, come on. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, it's not going to happen. So that Saturday night, I'm ready to go and I'm watching the show. And sure enough, Bobby Heenan is, is holding up the book. Now, when he's holding the book, he's got his thumb up and it's covering my name. I don't know if it was a rib or <laughs> what it was, but his thumb was It's like, okay, Bob, all right. And then Okerland, they go, they, they go back to Okerland, and he gives the full name of the book and when it was going to be released. So I went to Amazon, and by the end of, by midnight, I think it was, I kept hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. It was the number one sports book. Amazing. For for I not for very long, but because of that, and that's why I just have you know, Gene Okerlund is just uh, uh, you know what he did for the book, and and obviously with Vince's approval and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was that was uh, uh, just fantastic that they could over they could think more of Bobby and less of it being kind of a a, a competition or anything like that. Right. I remember that uh, at WrestleMania that night, it was kind of funny because we had had this long conversation in catering. And then after the show, they had the post WrestleMania party Yeah, and I, and I'm there. And I, I was invited to it when oh. I was there, but I was, I was so exhausted and I regret it to this day. They were I fun. It. I don't know if they still yeah. do it, but they were yeah. fun. I went to yeah. a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair had a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was fun, but, um, but no, but, um, so at that one, it was very interesting at 17 because you had all again, the old talent hanging around. So I remember being at, in, at, at a table, like a banquet table and looking over 
the next banquet table sitting at the table is repo man barry darsal kamala the bushwhackers like they're just all kind of hanging together because you know they're not you know they haven't been around the company in a long time oh. then you look on the other the other direction there's motorhead they have their own table because they did the yeah. introduction for yeah, triple h right. that yeah, night yeah. and but the interesting thing with bobby was he was politicking very hard that night yeah. I felt a little bad almost because I'm, he was single-mindedly trying to find Vince. Like he was so consciously because he was trying to get his job back. And I remember even I, you know, I tried to talk to him and he was just like, have you seen Vince? Where's Vince? Blah, 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 blah. And a couple yeah. of different times. And I would point him, oh, he's over there, you know, blah, and he would run off. And that night, that is all he was thinking about was get me to Vince McMahon because I really think he wanted, he was looking at that day as an opportunity to get rehired yeah oh oh certainly because i think that you know and 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 i looked it up and and i apparently vince you know his contract was up vince offered him like 50 percent of what he was making and you know and he he wanted more and then wcw called and i i think he just took it more took that job more out of default okay here's the other company i can i can go work for and i think from day one he was just not happy uh there at all he was it was a different environment i think he was you know obviously he's older you know you're not going to put up with too much crap that kind of thing but um but you know he 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 did well, and he was closer to his daughter, closer to his family. He could go home, so there was that benefit. But when he talks about WCW, I mean, at, at the get go, even in in the book, and and if when I listen to the recordings, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is just how much he just disliked the experience because he he said it was it was a mess, you know. He, and he, he told me he told me it was like going from the major leagues to playing t ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that sounds about right. Yeah, he he just, but he just he he got his check every two weeks, and he just kept going until you know they let him go. But it was it was, I think he 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 deserved that comeback, and 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 uh, I think in a lot of, you know with the Hall of Fame and with the the gimmick battle royal where Jim Ross when Bobby came out Jim Ross said talk about your gimmicks <laughs> that was just great and uh and and Bobby you know the Bobby and Gene are done commentating and Gene's trying to shake his hand and Bobby's like doing this you know looking at other ways and stuff to to avoid shaking Gene's hand it was just yes. great but, and yeah. but, but I think that um when he left which is 93 right like mid 93 yeah they also they were in the process for a year or two at least of phasing it seemed to me phasing out both Bobby and especially even more so Gorilla Monsoon. Yes. yes. Like um they and it started when they took them off primetime in 91 which I don't know what they were thinking to be honest with you because then it became Vince's show. Yeah, it became that the the, the it was, was it a, the the crazy outfit Vince. Yes. No, it was yeah, it was the crazy outfits with the yeah. live group, and then it was the panel discussion. Like right, the, yeah. He went from right where he had like the insane track suits with the with the high top sneakers. He looked like a buffoon. I mean, he's probably the age that I am now. You know, yeah. And with the live audience, and then they went to that horrible. 
table round table where he had the heels on one side the faces on the other he's the ringmaster it just had none of the chemistry and magic of what bobby and gorilla were doing but you got the sense that especially with gorilla that they were trying to maybe say we need something a little more you know our product is really leaning towards little kids we need we we can't have these two like borscht belt comedians here doing this shtick we need something a little more i'm not saying that it was hip but i think the goal was we need something a little more hip a little more young a little more kooky and and fun and not as much like looking like the friars club kind of a thing exactly you know you mentioned primetime wrestling and i will say and and maybe i have some bias on this but perhaps i think the best uh, of that uh panel type format that era was the turn of Kurt Henning. Oh yeah, and, that, and that, that was that when, was good. When Ultimate Warrior, they were able to just wedge in this angle. And usually that nine times out of ten, it doesn't work. Yeah, you know, it's not gonna work. You know, all of a sudden it's like you're what, what was it, a day before the pay-per-view? Two days, three days before the pay-per-view. And there's Kurt and 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 Kurt's and, and you can just see, you know, Kurt kind of hmm. Hmm, this is interesting, that kind of thing. And then Bobby just slaps him in the face and he gets, you know, wet weasel. He, he dumped the water on his head and stuff like that. That to me, yeah, that was probably the most interesting and uh, uh, entertaining primetime. They should have done more things like that, but because they didn't. It was just, hey, what do you think, Hacksaw? Hey, what do you think, Hillbilly? And that kind of thing. So. Well, yeah, because it also was um, like I had I had just gotten cable around that time. I didn't have cable in my neighborhood. So I was watching Strictly Superstars and Challenge, which were like the two main shows. And the thing with primetime, even when Bobby and Gorilla were doing it, was it wasn't really generally a show where they advanced angles. It was more like I mean, it would happen, but it was more like, you know, the best matches of the week. We're going to show you some house show matches. We're going to show you highlights from Superstars and Challenge. We might have like a retro match. But it sure. wasn't like what I'm trying to say is if you never watched primetime, which I didn't really watch it that much at the time um, because, again, it was the Vince era, you still you weren't really missing what was going on so much. Whereas when they did the Kurt Hennig thing. I remember because I wasn't watching primetime that came out of nowhere to me. I was like, wait, what happened? Kurt Hennig's a good guy. Now he's on teaming with the macho man. Like when did this happen? And it was because they actually shot an angle on primetime. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, must see TV. If you were keeping up with what was going on WWE at the time, whether it was your casual or hardcore fan. Yeah. And, and the way it was executed was, and, and I just give a lot of credit to, Kurt and Bobby, who just, you know, had to do this basically on the fly. Cause I think what well, warrior walked out the day before or, or something like that. So they really had to make something happen. And, and they did. They also did the great thing on prime time from the gorilla and Bobby years, which was it's well-remembered because it was one of the only times that anybody ever put their hands on gorilla monsoon as an announcer. And it was when Bobby brought out the Brooklyn brawler, when he turned yeah. on Terry Taylor uh, the red rooster. And I think who yep. I think he also slapped in the face if I remember right. Yeah. And, yeah. and he brought out the brawler and the brawler laid out gorilla monsoon. I mean, that was yeah. wild. Yeah. Well, he did. Rare. And that was a, uh, what Steve Austin in his early stages. Yes. Uh, 
attack Gorilla Monsoon too. But yeah, well, you're Vader, really Vader did, but that was Vader, later. That's right, Vader did. Yes. And I don't think Austin ever attacked Gorilla, but they definitely when he, Gorilla was president, they were like getting in each other's faces. Yeah, a got a little physical. Yeah, yeah, in you're fact, probably I, right there. Yeah, I almost maybe I'm think, thinking of Vader. Yeah. Not the Vader thing. Vader did yeah, squash yeah. him. Yeah. But I almost think because the, the thing with Austin was weird because it's happening right on that transitional period where they're going into the attitude era, but it isn't quite the attitude era yet. And we're with Gorilla, you know, not long after that, he got phased out off TV completely. And then you had the stuff with Austin and McMahon. And I almost wonder if if Gorilla was healthier and in a better frame of mind and a little younger and he hadn't lost Joey, um, if yeah. maybe the, McMahon may never have stepped into that heel owner role. He may have just – it almost looked like that was originally going to be Gorilla as the authority figure against Austin, which I'm not, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as good, but it might have been what their original idea was. Yeah, I, I I think there was certainly a possibility, but yeah, with with Vince, it was okay. Here's what everyone thinks is just an announcer in WWE, but he actually owns the company, and yeah, it it just it was organic. I you know you you can't script something like that. You can't you know manipulate the audience. The audience is going to go where they're going to go, and that was. I still remember when Vince walked out for a match. I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening here? I know, but it was, it was, it was fantastic. And unfortunately, you know, it, it, there should have been an end point, but there really wasn't an end point. And they just kept dragging it on. And, and then, and then Austin turned on WWE and he was with Vince and yeah, which but, was at the Astrodome WrestleMania 17. Yeah. Yeah. Which was so notorious because you had maybe one of the greatest, WrestleMania is, if not the greatest of all time, you had all the old timers back. It was this amazing night of goodwill. It almost yeah. kind of reminds me of the most recent WrestleMania. It's an yes. incredible show. And then it ends with this so completely deflating moment that even it looking really back on it 22 years later, yeah. it's still, you could see what a horribly bad move and decision yeah. it was. It, it, um, it, it, it really is. And when I watched, you know, when I saw it, I remember having the same experience. I'm like, this is not how WrestleMania is supposed to end. WrestleMania is supposed to end. And I know now they have two nights and stuff and, and they gave the Saturday night crowd, the, the, the tag team title win, but yeah, nothing about that to me made sense. I, I was, I, I don't really get angry, but I think I was angry. I thought, no, this isn't right. This, this is not what was supposed to happen, but. Well, I was there. I was there in Houston, and that they the those people were dead. I mean, defeated. Oh yeah. I, I mean, mean they, they left the building just demoralized, stunned, very unhappy. Hey, you don't want that, and and, no. and that's what I what I noticed on on the most recent WrestleMania is. Wait a minute, where'd the crowd go? It's quiet. <laughs> it's all. I mean, there's still noise, but it was just like <laughs> it was just uh, wow, you know, but. Smarter people than me, uh, you know. I don't know, <laughs> but 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 yeah. To 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 get back to Gorilla and Bobby, yeah. though, it, it did seem like they were giving them less and less to do, and um, in in a weird way, like Bobby was actually faring a little better because at least Bobby was still on Monday Night Raw. Gorilla yeah, basically was. was just doing challenge, and I and I think uh, with 
with where I think even he had been replaced by Jim Ross for in a lot of his duties. Yeah, but, yeah. but Bobby now, was still doing it. Who was the comedian on the first episodes of Raw? Rob oh, Bartlett. Rob Bartlett. Yeah, Rob Rob Bartlett. Bartlett. yeah I, I I don't I, I don't know if Bobby and I ever talked about it, but well, didn't Bobby take his place when they took him off? I think that's what happened, right? Well, Bob, no, actually, there was. I did recently watch an episode. Uh, it was actually, I think it was the the second episode where Ric Flair lost the uh, loser uh, leaves WWF match with Kurt. And they had Bobby and I think it was uh, G- Jim, Jim Ross and Rob Bartlett. And it was clunky. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't the flow that you'd usually have between, you know, me and, and whoever the main announcer was. It was, I thought, oh, get, get him off there. Get him off there. You know, it was just, it was just awkward and, and, yeah. and, and, and no, no offense to him, but it just wasn't a good, I don't know, good chemistry, I think. No, it just, it didn't click at, he wasn't comfortable, Bartlett. And, oh, I'm sure he wasn't. Yeah. And Heenan and Randy Savage was just not a good, there wasn't chemistry there. They're both great. <laughs> They're both they geniuses of wrestling, they but they just didn't mesh as announcers. The same, you know, I, I felt that also with uh, when Bobby was in WCW with Tony Schiavone. That was that was painful to me because you know what it reminded me of. I'm trying to think of it's a, it's a thing. It's almost like you know that you ever see Annie Hall? Yeah, yeah, a while okay. back. But you yeah. know the scene where like he breaks up, like they have this perfect chemistry, like Alvy Singer and Annie Hall, and he makes yeah. her laugh, and they crack each other up, and then he's with another girl later on, and he's trying to make his jokes. Yeah. And they're just not landing, and yeah, she's yeah. just like, "Well, I don't understand what that means. What are you saying?" Like that's what it felt like hearing Bobby Heenan with Shivani because he would try to do the stuff that he used to do with Gorilla, yeah. and there was no give and take. And I don't look at. I think Tony Shivani is great. I think I think he's a great announcer. I think he's great even today. But yeah. him and Bobby Heenan, that just wasn't working. Like it was just. It just was. It didn't have the warmth. Like it was yeah. just mean spirited. Like 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 Tony would just go shut up Heenan. Like you know Gorilla never did. Oh, no, like no. That, you know? Gorilla, g- give me a break. Give me right. a break. That's what you'd hear from Gorilla. Right. It was, but, it didn't have the warmth to it. Yeah. I, I know I, I've seen a few, uh, uh, interviews with, with Tony and, and I think it was at that time, he was not just an announcer. He was in charge of all the announcers. Yes. And, and I think that's, that's kind of a conflict of interest, I think, but I think that's a lot to put on one person. You know, and yeah, you're right. It just, it, and I don't think in WWE, because Tony was one in WWE for like a year, year and a half, something like that. Um, I don't think they ever paired him with Bobby. I, I I don't recall that. I'm I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I did notice that too, that it was just something, something's not there because Bobby worked well with Vince. He worked well with, um, with uh gorilla um but yeah i i think that was just one of the reasons he was basically getting a check every two weeks and that's kind of what it was that was his goal just give me my check every two weeks and you know let me also i also think he was being overproduced there like you could tell 
uh, you know, getting so used to his work in the WWF, you could tell that probably Eric Bischoff, I'm imagining, you could tell somebody's in his ear feeding him things to say, because he would sometimes say things that were so unnatural and so not like him that it just, it was a red flag to me that this is not, because he, because he's good at coming up with his own stuff. And you could tell sometimes that this is not something he came up with. Like this is, he's being forced to say this. Yeah. Just, just, just listening to, to, to the tapes, um, uh, you know, I, and, and I've, I've released a few, um, little snippets of, of, you know, the, the conversations we had and, um, just, he, he's just, he's on, he's constant. He's just, and it's not an insincere thing. He, he is just naturally funny. He could have been a stand-up comedian. He could have been talk show host, he could have been all those things. And to to he just goes he has when the memory is fond he's he's there but i i think the chapter on wcw i i want to say it wasn't it wasn't a lot of fun to do because you know bobby just didn't like it and he was telling me then some things didn't make the book actually the best stories were bobby saying turn off the tape record i got to tell you about this one because bobby made a rule at at the outset with the books is that i'm not going to do anything that's going to ruin someone's life i'm not going to do anything that you know where someone's going to get a divorce and he stuck to that so i you know i the 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 tapes are represent everything he wanted to say but some of the other stuff was wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i can only imagine i have a lot of those off the record stories to turn off the tape recorder stories yeah. um did he did he talk at all i just thought of this uh about you know because we mentioned how they said their goodbyes that emotional night and by the way i'm assuming that the basket of bananas was from gorilla right i yeah, mean it was. I, that's it okay was. yeah um but they said their goodbyes but they actually worked together one more time when gorilla did that really bizarre he had a pilot the bingo right yeah a game show in baltimore yes. And he did a yes, few episodes, we, yeah. and he had Bobby on. And Bobby was working for WCW at the time. Yeah, uh, it was. And at the time, I had no idea about this, and Bobby never brought it up. And I wish he had, <laughs> but it, it, it just never came up in the conversations. And I remember watching it, and I, I thought, is this is this a deep fake? What what is happening here? It is so beautifully bizarre. It's like a bad movie that you just like. And you know, Gorilla's you know using his shoot name. He's he's going by Bob Morella. I know, and it's so it's like an alternate universe thing. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is. And he, they have Bobby on, and I don't know if he did this on purpose or if it was just a slip. He goes on Bobby the Brain Heenan, and he's and he and he starts saying from of the World Wrestling Federation, and then he stops and he goes of of WCW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. It's it's one of a kind. I, what whose idea was that? You know, because I've wondered about that because that obviously was the last time they were ever on camera together, even yeah. though it was just a local program. It wasn't seen nationally, you know, like their other stuff, but. Yeah. You know, I I wondered about that. Like, did they see each other after that? Did they did they keep how much did they keep in touch after Bobby left the company? Do you know? I think they 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 did keep they did keep in touch. 
Um, not as much as, um, you know, because Bobby was working for a, a different company and he was, you know, more closer to home. So he wasn't traveling as much. Um, I really, yeah, I, I, I think I don't want to say the last night was kind of the, the, the finale, but I just think, you know, he, they just both continued you know, doing their jobs and I'm sure they, they, they stayed in touch. I, how, how can you not? I mean, they were so close. Um, but, but I will tell you with, with the amount of tape I have and I'm going through them right now, I'm hoping not only to find that out, but I want to hear more about that bingo. Yes, nonsense please. Thing. If you do, if you yeah. do, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, do you know, did he attend, um, gorilla's funeral? Yes. I yes he did yes yeah I don't think he would have missed yeah I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have missed it for the world and his I, just his uh the, how he was able to pay tribute to on Nitro was a testament and and I know a lot of people know the story of how they didn't want Bobby to say anything about Gorilla and he kind of insisted on it and and he was able to pull it off and um, yeah that was that was. I mean, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. It's it's hard to watch because I, I, I think with, with what they were telling him, you know, don't, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. I think that just amplifies you're combining anger, frustration with grief. And I, I think he did the best he could under those circumstances to try to pay tribute to this guy. And the fact that they were just treating it as an afterthought. I, 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 I remember watching it and it was, it was very awkward and, it, and, and he didn't ever, you know, get to probably say what he really wanted to say at that moment and stuff. I mean, he was able to pay tribute to him at the, at the hall of fame ceremony, but yeah, that was very, very uncomfortable. And it was, it was tough to watch. You're, you're seeing this guy tearing up, he's choking up and I, you know, he wants to say more, but he's not, you know, and, and it's, it was, it was not the tribute that he deserved to give. And it was not the tribute that gorilla monsoon deserved. Certainly. And I know that, you know, I, I recently saw an interview with Shivani where he talked about it. Yeah. And he said that, you know, the, the issue that he had, which I guess is how it turned into this animosity and stuff is that, and it might've been tied to the fact that Bischoff didn't want to air it or whatever was yeah. that to Tony felt that, he would have liked to have done something because he worked with Gorilla too. That yeah. he would have liked to have done something that was better planned, where they knew what they were going to say, they knew what was going to happen. Whereas Bobby just kind of winged it. But I think the reason he winged it is because he was fighting Bischoff to even get it on the air. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not placing any blame on 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 Tony Schiavone at all. I, I know who had kind of the the final decision on it, and I think. The, the interesting thing about Eric Bischoff today is that with age comes wisdom. You know, he's much more calm. <laughs> he's, 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 he's not like what he used to be. And, um, at, still, you know, here and there, <laughs> whatever. But, um, uh, 
but yeah, I, I, I think it was, and I, I think Tony Schiavone was kind of in the middle of that, you know, yes. all of a sudden you got one guy saying, no, no, no. And he got the guy who was your know, gorilla monsoon's best friend and brother and everything like that. And you know, what do you, what do you do? It's, it's just a horrible, horrible position to be in. Yeah. And that, that really was the moment. And you knew that Bobby had to have been extra sad. I think there must've been because of the fact that he was no longer with the company. So he missed out on those last years. They could have worked together or, or even, even though gorilla wasn't really on TV that much anymore, they still could have been spending time on the road together. I, I, he must've felt bad that he was gone when it happened and it, that he, yeah, he, he did. I mean, there, there was, you know, you mentioned how, you know, he was very much trying to get back into the company uh, after WCW closed. Um, I, I, I think that he, he just, he just wanted that, that chance back. Just, just one more ride with, you know, gorilla monsoon. Here's my opportunity to perhaps, you know, make magic again, whether it be uh hall of fame ceremonies or whether it be legends, like, like the legends house, that, that, uh, that thing that they did, you know, something. Oh God. Something Could you imagine I mean, if that would have been, if the two of them <laughs> had had a chance to be on that? I mean, I thought it was a great show. It was hilarious. Yeah. And, and even it, touching it's, it's, points. Pat Patterson is just a hoot. Right. And, uh, uh, mean Gene funny. with his holy balls catchphrase. It became like a renaissance for Mean Gene of people getting him to say holy balls all the time. But oh, uh, God. but the but Gorilla and Bobby on there, I mean, that would have been absolute gold. And you know that, you know, it it felt to me that Bobby there had to be a feeling too that when he does come back finally, even just yeah. for these one-off things, yeah. Hall of Fame. WrestleMania yeah. that he I'm sure he would have loved it if if you know they'd been able to reunite but by that point Gorilla was gone. Yeah. Yeah, there there were there were a lot of uh missed opportunities there and and it was just the business was changing, the audience was getting younger. Um the the like you mentioned the Borscht Belt comedy just wasn't going to go over. Went and over with me, to, but to, to, Oh yeah. <laughs> But, and I'm a Lutheran, so, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, yeah, there, there was just, there were those opportunities and, and, you know, Bobby, I, I think he was confident he could have probably gotten a, a job, but it just, it just didn't happen. And, and but, they, but they did. Yeah, go ahead. No, go no I was going to say, you almost wonder if Gorilla was still there and was in health, good health if he could have pulled some strings to get Bobby oh, back. I'm sure he would have. Yeah. I'm sure he would have. I don't think a lot of people said no to Gorilla Monson. No. And I, I've said I, that to I, other people, I, too, working on the book and talking to people yeah. who were around the office in the old days and everything. And, and sometimes yeah. we'll talk about how the big difference was back in those days, even though Vince was the boss and he was in charge, he was still surrounded by a lot of his dad's peers and a lot of these people that were older than him and people that he – couldn't really fully challenge and now all those people are gone and and he is completely untouchable you know and it's a very different kind of vince than what he was back then certainly you know he's not going to be screaming at freddie blassie or arnie skolan or gorilla monster they'll they'll walk in the back and take care of that that. yeah i mean probably the only (laughs) the only one of his dad's old cronies that i know that vince had a lot of 
fallings out with was Captain Lou because Captain Lou was just a complete falling down drunk and just kept getting oh, fired. When we went to uh, it was it was uh, part of the WrestleMania weekend. There was a it was a fan fest in Totowa, New Jersey, and um, Al- Lou Albano was there. And man, I could tell where he was in the room at all times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lou's over there now. <laughs> I can hear Unbelievable. him. Unbelievable! <laughs> it's yeah. like Lou. You have a table. Stand behind the table. But Lou was, he was all over the place. A true character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve, this has been great. I, I'm glad. You know, my instinct was correct. And I'm glad that we did this uh, at, for posterity and not just as a book interview because sure, there's, sure. there's a lot of of just great stuff in here and, and great stories that I know the listeners will appreciate hearing. So I'm, okay. I'm very grateful that you had some time to do this. And of course, like we said, if you come across anything in those tapes, I will be more than receptive to it for sure. I will. I actually, between you and me now, uh, I, Oh, wow. Should I, should I stop the recording? I haven't stopped. Oh no, you don't have to. (laughs) I mean, just make sure you cut it. Well, I, (laughs) why don't we say our, why don't we say our message? (laughs) Okay. Oh, we'll say our goodbyes now. Let's say our goodbyes. Yes. Let's do that. Let's say our fake goodbyes and then we'll do the real goodbye. (laughs) All right. All Thanks, right. Steve. There you have it, folks. My conversation with Steve Anderson. Thank you so much, Steve, for being a part of the show. And as you could hear in that conversation, those are some of the stories and anecdotes and remembrances that I am hoping to build into Irresistible Force, The Life and Times of Gorilla Monsoon, the book at which I am hard at work currently. I'm also hard at work on this podcast and making it the best old school podcast that it can be. Next week, episode 68, I will have as my guest Canadian wrestling historian and writer Pat LaPrade. Pat is often the collaborator with Bertrand Hebert, who was a guest of this show a while back and a very interesting guest at that. And now I am excited to welcome Pat as my guest to the show next week. So keep listening. And as you continue to listen in the weeks to come, you'll get to meet a few other great guests that I have on the way, including Abraham Josephine Reisman, the author of the brand new Vince McMahon biography, Ringmaster, is coming to the show, as well as AWA historian George Shire, wrestling writer and historian Tim Keenan, who wrote the book about Irish Mickey Doyle and is working currently on a book about the Grand Wizard Ernie Roth, and also the old-school WWF production person that I have in the works, haven't revealed the name yet, but that I have been working on getting onto the show That will be coming very soon if I have my way. So keep listening to Shut Up and Wrestle. And where can you find the show? Our website is suawpod.com. And that's important because, as I've said, that website will allow you to access all 67 episodes of this show. The other platforms like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, all those – Spotify, they carry about a year's worth of episodes, 52 episodes. It's a great place to catch up on the new ones. If you're looking for the old ones, 
Go to the website, suawpod.com, and you can also subscribe so that you get notifications for all the new episodes. You can also, by the way, subscribe to The Wrestling News. It's at thewrestlingnews.com. You can also find it on YouTube on the Arcadian Vanguard YouTube page. It is your daily morning newscast for everything you need to know in the world of pro wrestling from Arcadian Vanguard. I encourage you to check it out. My book, Blood and Fire, the unbelievable real-life story of wrestling's original chic, is available in print, digital, and audio formats. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it wherever books are sold, wherever you get books. People always ask me, where can I get this book or that book? Well, you can get it wherever you get books, right? Amazon's probably the easiest place to go. If you're interested in reading the magazine articles that I write, Pro Wrestling Illustrated can be purchased in print and digital form at pwi-online.com. And Inside the Ropes magazine can also be purchased in print and digital form at insidetheropesmagazine.com. If you're looking for me on social media, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Brian R. Solomon. I can also be found on Facebook. My author webpage on Facebook is Brian Solomon Writer. And also, by the way, Shut Up and Wrestle has its own Facebook page, Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian R. Solomon. Go there if you want to join the club. It's a really fun group. I post a lot of new content every day, so come and join the fun. You can also find my author website on the World Wide Web, the links to the website are available on all of my social media. Shut Up and Wrestle is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And as always, this has been Brian R. Solomon asking you to keep those cards and letters coming in and reminding you that the mother of fools is always pregnant. So long, wrestling fans. I need your